And welcome to another episode of Cluster Fudge. Today I am with Alex once again. Welcome back, Alex. Hey, thanks for having me, Alan. Good to be here. Good to be here. Good to have you back. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, as you may have heard from the last couple of episodes, Carlos is also back. So we're we're bringing up all sorts of co-hosts. <laughs> all we're going back and forth. We're back. So yeah, with a vengeance. You can take a pick who your preference is, or just enjoy the variety. I don't know. No competition. No. No. It's, no. All, it's all good. We're all friends here. That's right. Yes. So anyway, welcome back, and uh, we've got a few things on the docket here. Alex, what do we what do we have to start it off? Well, you know, I always like to do some Transformer stuff. You know, um, just real quick, not not a lot. We're going to be all over the place today a little bit, but it's good. That's why it's cluster fudge. It is a cluster fudge. It is. Um, I saw the other day they had this special pre order for a. Oh, correct me if I'm wrong. What is it? An F eighteen. The the F-14 Top Gun F fourteen Tomcat. Yes, yeah. correct. Thank you. That's why I have you here. F fourteen Tomcat. Um, plane from the movie top gun which they partnered with hasbro to make a transformer and it's called maverick i know when it transforms it transforms it has a little helmet that says maverick on it and everything and it was a pre-order i think walmart special um mm-hmm. went on sale the other day it's it also be- comes with a volleyball Oh, does it? You want I to didn't recreate see that. that beach scene? Oh, the, that's awesome! In the movie, yeah, and then maybe a little uh, little CD or of you've got that lost that love and feeling. Mm. I don't know. We'll see. But anyway, um, did order that, and um, it looks pretty cool. And it's really just for nostalgia. I mean, you know, we're we're children of the '80s, and these you know these movie places are just pl- tugging on our heartstrings. I mean, they could just put anything together mm. and make it a transformer, and they're like, "I'm gonna buy that." You know, it's yeah. just I. They know what they're doing, you know. So, you know, they made the uh, the Ectotron, the Ecto One from Ghostbusters, and then um, you know they have this Maverick thing now. But then a few weeks ago, they had the other one, um, Gigawatt. They made a uh, DeLorean from Back to the Future. They partnered with Back to the Future, and they said go online and you know pre-order it at Walmart.com. And they only made it, it coincided with the thirty. It was a 35th anniversary of the movie's premiere, which I think was on July 3rd. And um, when it came out, they were only making 1,985 of them. That's the year it came out. And I don't know what happened, but I guess somebody bought them all or whatever, and then they were trying to resale them for like 1000 bucks a piece Yay. on eBay or something ridiculous. Yeah. So they're unavailable, um, which is First silly. Of all, that's a dumb amount. I, I get it. You want it to be 1985, but that's... There's no way you're going to meet the demand. Oh, no, with, not, not at all. With less than 2,000 pieces. It's it's just, this is, was bound to happen. Right. Like, and, and so, like, are there any plans to make more, or is it just this version of it is only 1985? Yeah, no. So, so what they said was, I guess it was a pre-order special for 1,985 of them, and then they're going to have the rest of them available, uh, I guess, after October. And I said, well, you know, I mean, a lot of people can just wait till October. And- mm-hmm. And get it then. I don't. And that's really... when the the and that's time wh- circuits were saying was October. Yes, exactly. Okay. So that's probably why why they did it like that. Okay. Um, and then Maverick, uh, the Transformer Maverick, is supposed to be due in October too. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's all exciting stuff for Transformers fans. Um, you know, they're they're good collectibles. Um, I have right here. I did bring in Ectotron. I ordered it the other day. Um, so they made an Ecto-1 from the movie Ghostbusters into a Transformer. Uh, we've got it sealed in the box, and Alex would like to preserve the for, box. For now. For now, at least, but uh, I'm fine with just looking at it in the box as well. It looks beautiful. Um, from a distance, it does 
look like this could be a die-cast metal vehicle, and I don't know if I can confirm that just looking at it through the box, but it looks like a like an old-school Transformer with plenty of metal on it. And, and again, I might be wrong. They might have just done a remarkably good paint job on this thing. I don't know. It does look metal, and it looks like it's got the rubber tires. Um, mm-hmm. Comes with a little Slimer figure, too, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. How much did that run? Um, I think it was... And I'm sure I overpaid for it because the demand was running out. I think I paid about 50 bucks for okay. it. Well, that would account um, for why it's... Like, if it were metal, that would kind of make sense. You know what I mean? Like, if it were pure plastic, yeah. a $35 figure seems right. But if it's going to be pure metal, you're going to pay a premium for it. I think originally when they came out, they were about $35. But, oh, okay. Um, I, I I think I just, you know, I stalled on it and then... I saw there was like five left at this one shop, and then I thought about it for an hour, and there was only one left, so mm-hmm. I, I ordered it. I just okay. impulse bought it for like 50 bucks, so mm-hmm. from whatever third-party place. Or I like how it's got the tech specs on the back, um, and I know yeah. some of them are coming with the little... Uh, I've opened some of these old Transformers off, and they give you that little red... What are you? The, whatever the, you call the decoder, the decoder thing, yeah. yeah. And it's got the old original artwork on the back too. Yep, which is really cool. From the the first wave of Transformers, you've got the uh, Optimus and Starscream and Autobot and Decepticons flying through right. space on the back here. But uh, the tech specs are interesting. You've got the strength, intelligence, speed, firepower, and then the last two, you've got trap. A ghost trap from uh, Ghostbusters, as well as the Ghostbusters ring. I have no idea what that's supposed to mean. No, I didn't even notice that. I didn't. I didn't take a good look. But I think in maybe the, they got to capture Starscream when he was a ghost. You know that oh, way. Oh, yeah. that'd be great. I don't know. Um, I think <laughs> those two spots were normally meant for endurance and rank, right? Uh, but I couldn't tell you if the trap is supposed to mean endurance or rank, or and vice versa. So I don't know what that's supposed to mean. I guess your ghost trapping ability, but then what does the ring mean? I don't know. It, it's also a, a trapped ghost. So what is it? Uh, yeah. I. It's nostalgia. Who mm-hmm, knows? Sure. But um, really, really cool. Just, just even as a display piece. I mean, just to have it, like if you were going to make a kind of cabinet with all your transformers, cause it's an exclusive, it has a whole thing on it, a branded for, you know, the year and 35th anniversary of Ghostbusters and stuff like that. So I guess mm. it came out in 2019 or something. I don't oh, know. It okay. says 2019 on here, All right. which would coincide for 35 years. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. I had to pick it up and, you know, I'll obviously try to get gig- gigawatt when it comes out and then Mavericks on order. So, I mean, they keep making things. I'm, if you're listening to Hasbro, you keep making it. I'm going to keep buying it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm a sucker. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. You're doing it the right way. You know what you're doing. They, they know that uh, people our age are professionals and make money. Right. So we are a money demographic as of today. Yep. And then, of course, we have children, and we've introduced oh, our yeah. children to the Transformers, and mm-hmm. they see something, and they tie it in together, and then, Daddy, I want that, and then it's, it's all over. Mm-hmm. So, um. I had a funny story. I always tell short stories about my son, Ben, who's five years old, and we we had gone on vacation uh, a few weeks ago, and we had a little suite, so we had the room, and then you have the, you know, the little bonus room there, and uh, he, of course, wanted to bring his Transformers, so a whole bag of Transformers he brings in. As soon as we get to the hotel, he's setting them all up. So there was this, uh, you know, main table, two small little tables, like where the coffee table's supposed to be, and he set up the Autobots on one and Decepticons on another, and then he has a little uh, Shockwave toy. And there was a table all the way on the other end, like where the kitchen area was, and he put Shockwave all by himself over there. 
And I said, Ben, why are you playing with the Autobots and Decepticons here and Shockwave's way over there? And he goes, because he's on Cybertron. <laughs> and I'm like, that's funny. Yeah. Like, that that's attention to detail right there. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I just, the imagination, it just, that was great. <laughs> that made me laugh. I had to take a picture of it and mm-hmm. everything. So... And watching the old Transformers with, with him, there was something that somebody else pointed out, but then I had to go back and notice. Your your idol and everybody's big fan, Frank Welker, for some unknown reason, is not on the credits in the first five episodes of the Transformers. So so the first five? The first so five. The first three are the, the miniseries, right? right? The More Than Meets the Eye, and then the next two... They still that's amazing. Yeah. What a what a man. What was it the the I don't know, the, the one well, with the space bridge and, and the, there's roll for it and was it divide transport and conquer. to oblivion. Transport to oblivion, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know why those first five, because the three seem to be isolated from the other two, which would have made more sense because maybe they produced those first and then mm-hmm. But um, I had to actually sit and watch the credits in him to find out exactly where they changed the credit style. I mean, alphabetically, he's like the last one. Right. That's it's still, man, I, I got to watch it now and see what. Uh, I can't understand why he's just completely left off. I mean, it. He's especially half the amount of voices. Yeah. He's half I, I don't, the cast. Yeah. That's so weird. It's so weird. I was just thinking today, like how that final scene or one of the final scenes uh, in More Than Meets the Eye when they're all on the Decepticon ship. Mm-hmm. And it's Mirage, and it's Megatron, and it's Soundwave, Soundwave and yeah. Rumble, and they're all, you know, yelling at each other, and it's like, it's all one guy. It's all one guy, yeah. <laughs> you know? Actually, that, yeah, that scene, other than like a brief bit by Starscream, yeah. is basically one actor it's doing all the voices. just one actor with, yeah. with Chris Latta, yeah. Right, yeah, so... Um it's crazy. I, I would. Uh, I, I, it's hard for me to hear actually Mirage's voice with him. I would. I would love to hear him in person do Mirage's voice. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, Soundwave is is hard is done up because it's you know added effects, right? But uh, you know, we've we've heard him do Megatron live, and it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of thing, and you can see how Rumble comes from that too. But even Fred, I would love to hear him do Fred. <laughs> You know, it's there's very, such a range in his voice. I mean, you know? Fred is is close to his normal speaking voice. It's just kind of him being a little more bright, being right. a little more happy, a little, little yeah, a little goofy. But it's, yeah. it's basically his voice. Right. I mean, uh, and I think you know, you take Mirage, and my assumption is he took a look at Mirage. He's like, well, I'm a hero, so maybe I'll talk like this. I'll be a, I'll yeah. be like a heroic character. There it you goes. Know? Yeah, you got it. That's well, not bad. You. Thank you. That's not bad. Yeah, so uh, new show, July 30th, Netflix drops, which is right around the corner here. What, two weeks, less than two weeks That's away. true, it's coming up. And, uh, you know, Walmart and Target, and they have uh, a bunch of those uh, toys in the store. And, they're you know, I've bought a couple of them. They're really cool. Um, you know, they're, they're a little battle damaged, which I like, but they transform very nice and very similar to the old school Transformers. Um, and I just saw... Something online, I think, today that there's a whole new series of toys that are going to be coming out either within the next two weeks or at the same time as the show. Um, they have a, a new Bumblebee coming out, mm-hmm. um, which is going to be like the Cliff Jumper, the Earthrise Cliff Jumper, which they have, um, which I absolutely love that toy, the way it transforms. And it looks like it's kind of the same model, only they put it in into a VW Bug mm-hmm. instead of Cliff Jumper's car. 
Um, and it looks like it's going to transform the same way, but obviously I'm still going to get it. The paint job, everything looks great on it. Nice. I thought what's funny is that they're giving him the same cannon. Oh, really? Which, okay. You know, so yeah. it's obviously right, right. <laughs> like an homage to that, but, mm-hmm. but that was cool. And I did like that there, and I assume the character will be in the show. They're making an Alita one. Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, mm-hmm. basically I guess they, they made some sort of car. There was a light pink car that they made in RC toy i guess recently so this is an alita one which is a darker pink um so it's just kind of rebranded in a different color but just the fact that there's an alita one i i I like that um they have been making so like they've resurrected all the female autobots mm -hmm. and they introduced a new female autobot called windblade okay uh, in the comic books a couple years ago and uh, windblade has been Becoming a favorite of newer fans, like a lot of people are really into Windblade, and she's kind of like her face kind of has a kabuki style paint job. Okay, and she seems to be like a, a samurai type. She she has swords, and and I think the the kids are into her. Nice. So, uh, I was reading the um, that uh, graphic novel I told you about mm-hmm. recently, which was uh, the Transformers and Star Trek. And she was oh, yeah, a main right. character in that as well. So, I um, Windblade might be in this new series as well. I don't know. Okay, but, uh, I'm I'm glad to see these other female characters. I got um, this Christmas or last Christmas. I got uh, a Chromia for my daughter, and uh, she you yeah, know, it's one of her. She likes that one of her yeah favorite okay. characters. I, I'm not sure what continuity that was from. No, that Chromia was in the original G1 episode. That was the one with Alita. With Alita one, one? Oh, there were there were three. I think there right? were three supporting Alita one. So there's oh, Alita there one, four. Okay, yeah. So there were a total of four. So Alita one's the counterpart to Optimus. Right. Chromia is the counterpart to Ironhide. Ironhide. Right. Um, Moonracer is the counterpart to Powerglide, and Firestar is the counterpart to Inferno. So there is a new Star Trek show. I know you were talking about on previous podcasts, you finished Picard. Mm-hmm. Um, so the new show, I know they're working on season two, but it's been delayed because of COVID and so forth. But mm-hmm. uh, they have this Lower deck show coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an animated show. I don't know how many episodes they're going to release. I'm not sure what platform. We, oh, no, I think it's on CBS All Access. Right. They dropped a trailer the other day. Mm-hmm. Not impressed. You were not into it. I guess it's by the guy that makes Rick and Morty. Right, that's what I heard. Now, I've watched Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not bad. You know, I, I could get into it. It took me a while to get into Rick and Morty. Like, yeah. I think about five episodes into it, I started to get... Like, maybe the show found its pace, or I started to come in, in right. tune with it. But it took me a while, because the first couple episodes I wasn't sold, and I probably put it on the shelf for a while. Right. But uh, after about five episodes, I started to be like, oh, I, I, I like this. It, it, it started to appease to my sci-fi sense and my sense of humor. I've, I've, I've heard that. I heard it takes a couple episodes. I've watched one or two. I could see giving myself a couple more episodes and getting into it. Um, I, I really enjoyed. I'd seen the couple two episodes, and then they actually had Rick and Morty in a Super Bowl ad this past year, mm-hmm. which I thought was really funny, and that was good. But um, I think the the Rick character is really an unlikable character in in the beginning of the season, and then you start to see 
uh, Morty kind of stick up for himself more, okay. and you start to feel less like he's the big punching bag okay. of the show. Because that's the way it starts off, and I think it turns off most people, really. It right. turned me off as well. And uh, then the the show evolves, and, and, yeah. and you start to see, oh, okay, I like both of these characters, and, and I like the way these stories are going. So this show might appeal to people like that. I just, you know, Star Trek has been around for almost 60 years Mm -hmm. and it has a loyal following and the formula has been changed so much in the last decade with the Kelvin story reboots to discovery to Picard versus what we saw from even the original series moving to next generation, deep space nine Voyager enterprise. Yeah. It's, you know, they're, they're adding a humor element to it and I'm, Mm. I'm okay with humor uh, I think you're a big fan of Orville, which I am mm-hmm, too. Sure. And Orville is basically Star Trek with humor added into it. Right. And that and it's great. It mm-hmm. works perfectly. There's there's the moments where the humor works awesome. This is just humor all the time and nothing's taken seriously. It's just a bunch of dimwits in space, but they're in Starfleet uniforms doing Starfleet stuff. It just doesn't mm. vibe with me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't like I mean you could watch sit and watch the trailer and and you know there's a crucial scene and one of the people were like, "Oh, look at this. Blast doors up. Blast doors down. Blast doors up. Mm-hmm. Blast doors down." Mm-hmm. You know, I mean imagine them making like a you know, even even Spaceballs was done with more um parody and levity in a proper way to not insult star wars fans mm-hmm. this is done as like almost i feel like a slap in the face like this is just ridiculous it uh, it well i mean i have not seen the trailer you're referring to but mm-hmm. having seen both rick and morty and the orville uh, both those shows did kind of start off in that same respect of let's just be outrageous and then, as you watch the Orville, I mean, Orville evolved into a legit sci-fi show, which, yes. which had, you know, comedy uh, almost as an afterthought. It was really... Correct. It was. It did. Like, yeah. there were some episodes that were just like, wow, this is this is an episode of Star Trek TNG mm-hmm. that I have not seen before. Correct. And it was so amazing. And you forget, this is supposed to be a comedy? Like, they're doing serious issues. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that... There is the potential that this show might do exactly that. It starts off absurd. You know, the first episode of the Orville had like the navigator drinking a soda on the the, the bridge for no apparent reason. He just says, right. like, "I need to do this." Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, That's okay, true. why? Okay. Um, but then, as you get along, especially into like the next season, it's like, wow, they they're not pulling any punches. This is a science fiction show. So maybe we'll see this show take that same evolution, but they need to market themselves as a comedy first to draw in people that are interested in seeing a comedy, not necessarily yet another sci-fi show. I don't know. So, yeah, like you're saying, that maybe they need to find its footing. Mm -hmm. You know, it drops on August 6th. I'm I'm not interested in seeing it, but maybe just because I'm a sci-fi fan, I'll give it one episode a chance. I, I just, I was so unimpressed by the trailer. I mean, you got two minutes to hook me, and I was out. And I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm, a, I'm big into this, <laughs> right? Right. So, I and it might be one of those things where you don't see it at first, but someone else does, and then you know, halfway through the season, they're like, "This is amazing," and then you're drawn in. That could be too. So we'll we'll see. We'll we'll let time tell if we're mm-hmm. going to review that in the future. I mean, as far as CBS All Access, I am not a regular subscriber. Like, mm-hmm. I just. 
I'm fine with subscribing for a month and then I'll binge on any series that I haven't seen yet and right. then I'll just cancel because it's just to have that every month is just not worth it. I don't need the old CBS library. Right. And then so you're you watched both seasons of Discovery? I watched yes, I've seen all seasons of Discovery and every episode of Picard. Okay. Um, but again, that's not as a result of me watching them as they were released. Sure. It's once they were all released, then I binged them all. Right. And I and I've heard good things about Discovery to stick through it and I haven't I watched about the first three or four episodes of Discovery and I didn't turn it off just because I wasn't interested, but mm-hmm. I just didn't get didn't get back to it. And I know it right. gets better. Did it feel like so? You saw the third and fourth episode. How did that compare to your experience from the first? Well, they two? were better because it was just completely different. I mean, mm-hmm. it was like well, a couple of years later. That right. we, I mean, I, I don't know why they had this two hour prequel. It was just weird. I mean, yeah. Maybe you find out later. Um, you know, when the show gets going, it looks like the characters were a little bit better. I seem to like the captain. I found I it- like the the first officer. So it was an interesting concept watching it. And I was like, wow, this character's story, Michael, Mm -hmm. she reminds me of the unseen story that we had with Ensign Rowe, where she's a higher ranked officer. Something bad happens. She gets demoted to Ensign and now she's doing Ensign things, but she feels like she's more capable than what her rank entails. And this is similar to Michael's story where she was like first officer of the ship. Right. Right. And then... Now she's got bumped down, and everyone's kind of like distrusting her mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff, and she's kind of got to earn her trust again. Mm-hmm. I thought that was an interesting concept. Yeah, I, I'm definitely, um, because I haven't seen it, and you know, there's going to be a long pause between Star Trek stuff, obviously, because of COVID, that it's, uh, it'll be worth my time to go ahead and watch Discovery, because it's something fresh and new. And hopefully by the time I'm done through the first two seasons, maybe the third season will roll out. Um, I think, what was I, oh no, this was about, um, going back to Orville, um, you know, your, your good friend who you talked to before, uh, Patty, mm-hmm. the host, the, uh, galaxy con, um, conventions They're They're great. I, I really, um, enjoy them. I click on them whenever I can. If I, there's, uh, people I like to listen to, it's, it's easy to go ahead and register and free and just mm-hmm. put it on in the background and listen. Um, you know, he's got a great gig with that. I mean, basically, he gets three, four characters on it. He didn't even have to do anything. He just introduces <laughs> them all, and he basically just sits there, and mm-hmm. they all run the show. They all kind of talk right. with each other. They share stories. They they feed off of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so the, the for him for him it's it's just almost like a cake job, and then he feeds in some viewer questions here and there. And I'm like, you know, this this is kind of great. It's really cool to see. The characters, uh, the actors interact, um, mm-hmm. some of them. Some of them you can tell there's a little tension and dynamic depending on what the show is. But mm-hmm. uh, And some they go a little crazy on when they have like five or six people at once because then you're watching like the Zoom meeting and they're all there. And then, you know, one guy inevitably doesn't know how to work his mic or work his, his, his camera and he drops off and drops on and all this stuff. I find it interesting too because I had watched two of them. I watched one with the with the doctors, with all the doctors of Star Trek, mm-hmm. and they had uh, John Billingsley, I think his name is from Enterprise. Yeah, and he comes on and he's just dropping f bombs oh, like, yeah. all over the place. Oh, you've heard him before? <laughs> no, I saw that panel. Oh, you saw that panel. And, uh, fortunately, I was in this room with the door closed. Right, my daughter wasn't within earshot. But uh, yeah, I was like, whoa! I'm glad. <laughs> 
I'm not showing I, this in front of my family. What is the point of that? Right. Like, I don't understand. And then uh, it was just so funny because he's dropping F-bombs this entire time. And at the very end, he's like, by the way, I host a charity event that I feed 300 <laughs> people a week. And I'm like, right. am I trusting you that you're a servant to the community when you got to drop F-bombs every other word? Like what? I mean, maybe, maybe, you know, more power to you, but really... it It's one of those things where he's just playing to the room, which is a bunch of other adults. You know, it's Patty yeah. as well as Gates McFadden sure. and all them. So it's, it's not like he's worried about making them blush. Right. But maybe if he were in a convention hall where he can see, oh, this person brought their child, maybe I'll, I'll watch my mouth. You know, he's he's not doing that. He's just on Zoom or whatever platform they're using and... He's just, oh, there's adults here? Okay, so I can let it fly. Yeah. Some, some people aren't too conscious about, about it. Yeah, I just, I don't I don't know why, I mean, you know, everyone curses every now and then when you mm-hmm. get angry or upset, but I mean, right. I, don't, I don't think it needs to be proud or part of your everyday vernacular. Sure, yeah. And know? Patty uh, made a note of it. He's like, oh yeah, the first F-bomb, you already... Oh yeah, he did say that, that's <laughs> he right. He made that's a note funny. of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Patty was probably taking notes and be like, do not invite John to more Zoom meetings. Well, no. with the, so Patty, you know, is a friend of mine, and he's kind of right. explained how this all happened, and he's noted that he's been a, a great go-between. A lot of these celebrities in the past have requested him to moderate their panels because in the event that the celebrity actor cannot understand where the fan is coming from, Patrick Pr- is a great yeah. go-between. Mm-hmm. Patrick is not only a super fan. He's also a performer, mm-hmm. so he can understand, oh, a an actor or a, a, a typical person who's not a fan of the material isn't going to know the whole backstory or the history of this series or whatever. So he is he's great at, at building those bridges between the two. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in, in the situation like you described with the Orville, he doesn't have to do anything. However, there are many times when the performer is just like, I, what do you want me to say? I don't know what, what you need. And so mm-hmm. he will, as a fan, will be like, well, a lot of people were interested in knowing what the, this was all about. And so he's, he's been very instrumental as far as that's concerned. Yeah, yeah. He definitely has a good uh, camaraderie with the actors. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of times, you know, especially like a TNG panel, they have a lot of camaraderie with themselves. I saw uh, everybody but Frakes uh, did a surprise show up at, uh, Picard, at uh, Patrick Stewart's house. Oh wow! Uh, for his birthday, I know you share a birthday with uh, that's right, Sir Patrick there. Mm-hmm. But um, he had his 80th birthday, I guess, last week, and mm-hmm. uh, they all social distanced and showed up at his house. Nice, uh, everybody, but you know, number one. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know what that was about. I think they're still disgruntled over what happened at uh, Wolf Three Five Nine and all that. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Orville, they had an Orville panel, um, and that was another one, too. So, you know, it was kind of cool. You watch the Orville, and, like, I have no idea what this Peter Macon actor looks like, the one that plays Brodus. Mm-hmm. He's got all the makeup on. Right. And so there I find it's the first time I've ever seen him without the makeup. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. And then I didn't know what the uh, Isaac character, the one that plays the robot. Oh, right. I didn't know what he looked like. So mm-hmm. he was there, too. So that was kind of cool, and he had the little British accent and so forth. Well, he also made an appearance on the show... I wasn't sure if that was him. That was him. Yeah, that okay. was that was him. So like, it was a, what was it? A hologram or yeah. something? Whereas it was he was occupying the hologram, right? Yeah. So yeah, so that was him. So, um, but again, so this Peter Macon comes on, 
And man, I mean, he was like, like I've never heard of you, dude. And like, kind of cocky and oh, really? dropping some f bombs. Huh. And so he's dropping some f bombs here, there, or whatever. And then you know, you're on this little Zoom meeting, and then boop, who pops in? Like little three, four year old kid. And I'm like, I hope he wasn't in the room when you were dropping those f bombs. Oh, he was in ago. his actual house. Yeah, he was in his house. <laughs> yeah, I think they all are. I, right? Oh yeah, I, yeah, I would yeah. imagine or, yeah. or whatever. But yeah, but the kid was in his house while he's recording. Oh yeah, I don't yeah. know. If he, yeah, he's just like, look, look who came to visit, and pops the little kid out. I'm like two seconds ago you wow. were just cursing and then just i don't know yeah i mean some people just don't they just don't they filter. don't they yeah. don't have a i mean oh whatever my kid's gonna learn bad language eventually right so whatever yeah so i remember being that age i was a uh, i was five years old kindergarten and i was swearing up a storm mm-hmm. because i'd heard it whether it be in movies or overheard my uncle or whatever and i got into so much trouble because first of all all i knew was that it made this this kid laugh when Mm -hmm. i said those words right like he apparently had heard it before and he thought it was hilarious for me to say that well the the teachers were irate and like they'd send me to the principal's office i'd just be confused i didn't know the definition for any of these words Mm -hmm. and i was just like all i knew was it was making someone laugh and i was repeating some words that i had heard before right that's it and yet i was getting the brunt of all this you know uh punishment sure so i don't it's not so much the moralistic argument it's just i don't want my daughter getting in trouble for repeating stuff that she hears yeah so we limit any sort of swearing as much as possible absolutely of course and you know we we will will not let her watch uh shows with with the wrong language mm-hmm. or 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 use that kind of language around her and as a result she knows she's heard it now mm-hmm. but she knows not to use it and it's right. like okay great you you understand you're not going to repeat it in front of you know other adults and and offend them but yeah, you know, th- that's where I stand. I just don't want my daughter, or you know, when I was a child, I just don't like that I was getting in trouble for something that well, I didn't know why. Right, you, you were know? just repeating and not. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, we were watching the Orville panel. It was decent. They had God, they had a bunch of people. Scott Grimes. They had the. They were all feeding off each other, and there was a lot of them. And and um, I I don't know. It got into this whole thing where Scott Grimes. I mean, he's been around forever. You remember back in the day, he was doing like critters. I don't know if you remember that movie. From I remember like the, the movie, but what did he do for that? No, was, he was the main character. Oh, he was? Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't see it, but okay. Oh, yeah. He was, you know, and then he was, you know, doing a million other things. He did ER for a long time, and mm-hmm. you've seen Orville. He was in, uh, I just rewatched Band of Brothers. He was in that. I mean, he's mm-hmm. been all over the place. Mm-hmm. So he was telling some story about how, uh, what was it? Um, he's like, oh, I do, a, I do a good impression of Harrison Ford. I'm like, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Listen, he's just like, well, it's really just Harrison Ford from the end of Air Force One <laughs> where Gary Oldman is there and he's like, mm-hmm. get off my plane. And mm-hmm. he does that. And they're like, how was that? They're like, yeah, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so then like a couple, like some fan had his question and be like, if you could go back to yourself as a younger actor and tell yourself anything, what would it be? And so they all shared like stories. Well, you know, if I went back 20 years ago, I would do this. And so Scott Grimes is like, I would just go back in time 10 minutes ago and not tell this Harrison Ford story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of uh, the GalaxyCon panels, last mm-hmm. uh, Saturday, uh, Patty hosted William Shatner. Yes, and, and I missed that. I saw the first half of it. Okay, I was, how was it? I was out of town. I was in Mississippi, uh-huh. and like they wanted to, you know, whom I was with, my wife and her friend, like eventually they wanted to go out to lunch. I was like, look, I don't have to watch this whole thing. So I watched the first half hour. Which, okay. You know, it's, someone wrote 
a question of like, what's your favorite horse to ride? I was like, oh, great. Mm. Shatner will talk in hours about horses. So he's going on and on about horses. And uh, however, like, I think one of the highlights was like when he was interacting with uh, Patty Uh because um, the, what was it? Patty was giving uh, some hype about Shatner's latest project. And he was doing this DJ voice. Like, hey, if you're just tuning in, we're promoting this, this, this thing, and blah, 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 blah. And it's in stores now. He's like, <laughs> uh, uh, Patty, you, you're wasting your time as an actor. You should be uh, doing the DJ work. This, that's, that's fabulous. <laughs> and then, like, later on, he had him, like, do a line. He's like, do it, do it as the, the, the voice. <laughs> and he had him do that. It was great. Nice. And like funny. in the middle of his rambling, Shatner just starts going, stop, stop, stop. I can't understand what you're saying. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I understood what you were saying. I just thought it'd be funny to interrupt you. Okay. I, I mean, if I was hosting the panel, I'd ask him questions totally about that show. Excuse the language, but the show was called Shit My Dad Says. Oh, yeah, yeah. I uh, never saw it, but I wanted was, to. That was the best thing he's ever been in. I got it. Other than Star Trek. Is that on CBS All Access? I don't know where it is. I will look for it, and I will let you know. Um, I watched that show. I think it only went like one season. Yeah. But, I wanted to TiVo it, but I couldn't because I didn't know what symbols to use for the first letters of the show. They would oh, use, yeah, because it was like S, and symbols. then it was like an at sign, and then you never knew what it was. I didn't know yeah, what to type in. It the, was very hard to find I that. I couldn't it was stupid, find yeah. it. So I think that might have been one of the downfalls right, of the show. It's like, right. how do you find it this show? It could have just made it stuff my dad's Yes, but exactly. Was, um, that show, his character, absolutely hilarious. Mm. I, I just, I mean, the writing, just everything about that, he just, a- excellent. I mean, mm-hmm. and I, ca- I can't say enough about that show. Forget T.J. Hooker, forget all that other nonsense. That was an ongoing series by this writer, and, like, he would really write about stuff that his dad said. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I don't know much beyond that. Uh, but, yeah, that would be a great show to catch up on. Yeah, that was that was fantastic. So... I uh, I sat down with my wife. She's not a big Star Trek fan or anything. Doesn't watch anything like that. And uh, I said, you know, last week I'm like, I'm like, we're doing it. I'm like, if anything you're gonna watch, you're gonna sit and watch Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan with me. I know you don't didn't watch the show, and you mm-hmm. know, I explained to her kind of where Khan came from and all this stuff, and just do a brief thing. I said, I want you to just watch it just for the movie that it is, and you let me know. And, you know, if you hate it, you never have to watch anything Star Trek for me, but, like, I, I know you're going to like it. It's different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was shocked at how, like, there's sci-fi in it, but, you know, there's a lot of, like, just good-natured character development. You know, the whole beginning of the movie, other than the Kobayashi Maru, you know, about his birthday and about life and about, you know, then he reunites with his son and... You know, there's just so much to that movie, which, you know, I don't have to tell you. Obviously, you've seen Mm -hmm. it several times. But, um, you know, it was great watching with her because she had never seen it before. And literally, I'm watching her as she's watching the end of the movie. And, you know, they they make it out of there and, 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 you know, uh, Kirk is like, uh, good job, Scotty. And McCoy's like, you got to get down here. Mm -hmm. And Kirk's running through the hallways. And and she looks at me. She's like, Spock's going to die? And I'm like... Yeah. She's like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, she had no idea that that was a thing. Like, they right. like they killed a major character. And, yeah. and I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And and you know she she liked the death scene, and then it's like he's not dead, and it was expecting like this big reveal, and then you know it's like this. I'm sure I was kind of watching it, thinking of her perspective in the whole thing. I'm like, right. I bet you're thinking he's going to come back. You know, they do this funeral, they shoot the torpedo coffin out into the thing, then he's going to pop out at the end and be like da da da, and then there was nothing. You just it just ends like that, mm-hmm. and you're like, wow, they they killed him. Yeah, and um. You know, she she thought it was great. She she was interested to see uh, the next one. You know, I told him he comes back. I didn't mm-hmm. tell her how, mm-hmm. and she was interested to see the next one. I said, I mean, the next one's good. It's not as good, obviously, right. but you know, it's still about personal sacrifice. And I didn't want to do a reveal to her and tell her, you know, what happens. I said, you know, but you know, Spock sacrificed everything for for the ship and for the crew but in the next one you see kirk sacrifices everything mm-hmm. for spock and and it kind of ties the story in together about the friendship right and what you do for for each other and i think it'd be good to watch three and then four ends that trilogy with the whales and it's mm-hmm. lighthearted and whatever and mm-hmm. but um yeah i was real happy that she uh have have you ever had jane or uh well jane might be too little but i um, think jane's too little for um, it. Pre- elizabeth watched- elizabeth's seen wrath of khan before okay. Um, and, and she does like it. And I think mm-hmm. it's, it's her favorite as well as most people's favorite Star Trek movie. Um, there's, I have the director's cut of, uh, Wrath of Khan and Nick, Nicholas Meyer, uh, who is resp- who is the reason why the even number Star Treks are the best. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, he, when they called upon him to do the sequel to Star Trek, the motion picture, he was not interested. He was not a Star Trek fan, but they were like, um, look, will, will you do the Star Trek movie? And he's like, Star Trek, is that the thing with the, the guy with the pointed ears? And he, uh, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> it. And so one of the comments on his director's commentary is, I wanted the first frame of the movie to be Scott Spock's pointed ear. And that's why it's a close-up of his ear like at the beginning of the, uh, of the movie. You see it, it's zoomed in and then they pull out onto the bridge and then it's uh, Lieutenant Savick manning the bridge. Oh, I never the, noticed it. They close the up on, on his ear? It's, it starts off with his ear. Okay. And uh, that's, yeah, so that was one of the things. But like, it is interesting how a non-Star Trek fan made Star Trek so accessible to most people. Mm-hmm. And that's why you see in that movie, it's less... Gene Roddenberry and more of uh, the everyman. It's why you see, you know, McCoy saying who's holding up the damn elevator and and stuff like that, where it's like all these little nods to, oh, our life. It's like, oh, look, glasses. Remember glasses? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, that sort of stuff. And it's all through that movie. And it's like, how do we make this accessible to the general audience? Let's make it about aging and life and Mm -hmm. relationships and friendships getting older and that's that is all the, these themes in Wrath of Khan that are why it's so great. It's not the quote unquote formula. It's not the you've got to have a villain who's obsessed. It's like that's not. I mean, that's part of it, but that's mm-hmm. not what makes that movie so great. You see, um, and in Star Trek Six too, it's the the main thing that holds that movie together in both these movies is the camaraderie, the friendship, the the right. ally mm-hmm. na- nature of it, and I. I think that that can often be uh, overlooked or even forced without an ability to do what they did in those old movies. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, it was great. Um, you know, I, I, I like why I'm very excited. You know, my, my wife has not seen a lot of stuff from the eighties. 
Um, and she was born in 82, and I guess, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff that we watched, it just wasn't her thing and never yeah. came across it. So um, it's very exciting to introduce these things from her perspective for the first time, you know, all these years later. Mm-hmm. So, but but yeah, she was, uh, she was a fan of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was funny because I was watching... The first one, the motion picture, right? Only because I was trying to be uh, complete with it. I'm, I was watching all of the Star Treks. I'd watched the original series, then I watched the animated series. Now I'm watching the movies. I'm kind of trying to watch everything consecutively again through Next Generation and all that stuff. So I was up to the movies, and uh, you know, she was in the room with me while I was watching the motion picture, and I'm just like, I'm like, don't worry. I'm like, we'll watch two, but like this movie's not very good. She's like, do I have to know what's going on? I'm like, no, it has absolutely nothing to do with it, and it's not really that good. Mm-hmm. So, but it's interesting to say about Spock. I know I, I'd read a lot of stories about it, about um, Leonard Nimoy didn't want to even do the movie, and then uh, they they went up to him and said, like, listen, he's like, I got this great idea. He's like, what if we kill you at the end? He's like, that's great, I'm in. Mm-hmm. So that's like how they really got him to do it because he was kind of done with Star Trek and everything. Was I tried to rewatch the Star Wars sequel trilogy? The 7, 8, and 9. Right. I said 7, 8, and 9. I had seen them all when they came out. I'm like, but now I could watch them all, you know, consecutively, not in one sitting, but. You know, the first 30, 45 minutes of, of seven, I, I was in. I was, mm-hmm. I was, it was down. I was all right. I was into it. And then it just, it just sort of takes a left, but you stick with it. And, and then, you know, and then Finn grabs the lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? And, and, and the whole end of, of, of Force Awakens, uh, you know, I just, Finn is fighting Kylo Ren. Right. At the beginning of the movie, we saw Kylo Ren stop a blaster bolt with yeah. the force. He's extremely powerful. And now he's fighting some dumb schlub stormtrooper renegade. Come right, on. right. Why doesn't he just lift him up and, and throw him away? And exactly. Yeah. And then and then even Ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, fighting Ray at the end. Yeah. And and it's just you know, I mean, you could make a loose connection at the end when you find out that obviously Ray is a Palpatine and has Force powers, mm-hmm. but she doesn't know it yet. Right. Like, like if if you had a New Hope and you had Vader fight Luke instead of Obi Wan mm-hmm. on the Death Star, right? Vader would have destroyed him. Should have, yeah. Even even though Luke is his son, we don't know that yet, right. and has the Force and is destined to become very powerful, mm-hmm. he still is not trained yet, and you would have destroyed him, right? It doesn't make any sense that there would have been even an, an iota of a well, fight. Well, even after training, he still loses to Vader in Empire Strikes Back. Well, uh, yeah. Right? right? So, it's of course, he'd mop the floor. Right. Vader would have mopped the floor with him in, in A New Hope. So, yeah, it's like he barely held his own in Empire Strikes Back, which like shows you like if you're up against a Sith Lord, you, you need to have some experience. Right. And that was the whole theme of the original trilogy, mm-hmm. was Luke's fear... To face his father, mm-hmm. his inability to want to destroy his father, right. and then to overcome everything with the Emperor at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, that was like a whole two-movie character arc. Yeah. And, and you know, it's almost like as an afterthought when you when you put these characters with, you know, similar powers in the sequel trilogy, and they're like, yeah, just forget about all that. It doesn't matter. Anymore. Yeah, then you don't earn the victory. It feels right. a lot more hollow. 
And and yeah, that's yeah. Well, there was a big complaint about Ray not earning anything, and like even the middle movie where it's supposed to be her training sequence and she mm-hmm. starts to come into her own. It's like she didn't learn anything, right? She just learned that she didn't need to learn anything, and then she just moves on. And it's like I can hold my own against anybody. Here we go. Yeah, it. it you know, to me, I, I don't. I don't mind humor in in these movies. I don't know if it's like a new humor. I mean, there's, I, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like, so there's, there's funny parts in the original trilogy, you mm-hmm. know, Leia's walk around, somebody get this walking carpet out of my way. You know, right. it's, it's funny. Mm-hmm. Then you even go back to like when Lucas did the, the prequels, which I, I still love, uh, you know, even though there's this massive battle on what was it, Geonosis, mm-hmm. and I, I thought the absolute the scene when they put C three PO's head on the droid's body and then reverse, I thought that was absolutely oh I'm terribly sorry. And he's mm-hmm. shooting that was great. That was funny. It added levity to you know the new way with the humor. For example, in Force Awakens, as soon as they catch Poe. He's sitting there, and Kylo Ren in the mask, he looks at him, and he's like, what, what do we do? You talk first, I talk first, mm-hmm. you know? I'm just like, uh, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. like, sigh. Right. And then, even worse, in, in in Last Jedi, in the very beginning, you know, open a channel to... Uh, oh, the, 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 what's, the phone call, the loose the, connection. The phone call. Hey, hello, is somebody there? Right. You know, and I'm just like... It, it, it just falls flat. It does. And I that scene in particular... I felt did a disservice to the the finale of the movie because it's like, how do you find the First Order intimidating? Because, okay, so Luke sacrifices his life to just not even defeat the First Order, but like just Win that delay battle. them. Right. But you showed how easy it is to delay the First Order just by pretending you can't hear them. Right. <laughs> So Luke lost Hux, his life. Right, Admiral Hux. Right. Thing. Luke lost his life to do the same thing that someone Poe does at the beginning of the movie. Right. With the stupid joke. Right. Yeah. And it's like, that's Luke Skywalker. Uh, like, if you're going to kill off Luke Skywalker, the death has to have meaning behind it, you know? Right. And it just... Uh, and, and there was this fake out too. It's like he's not really there, but oh, he dies anyway. It's like, but then why is he not really there? I, just have him be there. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, know. it's almost like Django's fet, Django Fett's death was more powerful than Luke's. Mm. You know, when when his head gets sliced off by Mace Windu and mm-hmm. Boba's looking at his head, right. like for a moment you're like, holy crap! But uh, that almost seemed like, in a way, in the moment was was. More impactful, even though it's such a minor well, and, character. And you have the reaction of the the guy's son. Yeah, yeah. Like, that, that means something, right. right? So, yeah. So, but um, I got all the way to the part where Leia was floating through space, and I'm just like, you know what? I can't even finish it. I just, mm-hmm. that was that was it for me. Mm-hmm. I think that was the last time um, that I'll view that. I, I, <laughs> I you know, I, I had gone through my DVD collection a while back, and they, uh, or a few weeks ago, and I saw I had a set, and it said Blu-ray, Star Wars, The Complete Saga, and it was movies one through six, and I'm mm-hmm. like, yep, <laughs> there it is, I the will Complete say, Saga. I will say this, I think in re-watching the next, uh, the, the sequel trilogy, um, eight is a completely skippable movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you will not be lost. It's like, okay, Luke died. Well, how? Well, it doesn't really matter because when you watch it happen, it doesn't explain much anyway. You know, it's just, okay, he pushed himself with the Force to project himself, and that's it? Oh, okay. 
right. like why do you have to watch that right it's like it just it doesn't it doesn't there's yeah. no it has no weight so anyway they if you watch episode seven and then skip right to nine i don't feel like you're lost yeah as a watcher. right exactly there's not very much that you have to like tie together like no. completely lost on it i agree yeah I've been reviewing some some old movies. My my uncle, who I was very close with, he passed away last year, and he was very big into old movies. And so I said, you know, I'm going to sit down and want to learn more. I love watching movies and stuff like that. So I decided to pick 1939 as a good start date because they said that was the greatest era in movie history. And mm-hmm. uh, you got Gone with the Wind and, and um, Wizard of Oz and... A lot of movies like that. So uh, I watched, I I took a sample of movies out from 1939. I'm up to 1940, and I just noticed, um, never watched Gone with the Wind before. I saw it. It's it's long. It's like Mm -hmm. a four-hour movie. Mm -hmm. The movie's so long, there's an intermission in the middle of the movie. Mm -hmm. I I don't even understand it. So, um, I mean, I get the point of the movie. There's so much that could have been cut out of it. It's a long book, and I guess they wanted to stay faithful and have every page of the book on screen. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I've not seen it in its completion. Yeah, it's 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 a lot. Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah, <laughs> um, not great. There were a couple other ones. I saw this one movie called uh, Dark Victory, which is pretty cool because uh, Ronald Reagan was in it. It was interesting seeing mm-hmm. him. He's like in his twenties or something like that. Okay, so that was kind of cool, and you know, he still got the the voice that he has and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to recommend if somebody's ever into old movies to actually watch this movie. It was called Goodbye, Mr. Chips. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. It mm-hmm. was kind of like a Dead Poet Society sort of movie about a, a school teacher, and he spends his whole life teaching students and 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 dedicating his his life to them and so forth. Um, but I mean, if you like kind of inspirational movies and and you know biopics about like somebody's like entire life and about like a really positive influential character and you know it's sad but very uplifting at the end um i the the i can't remember the guy's name but um whoever played the main guy mr chips in it he won best actor that year in 1939 and he was fantastic nice 